0: Yeah, it looks 30, to me like that's uh, not we, 50 bucks. It it, it is It is under. Man, you had to do your research. If you do your research, oh. it's I think 49.99 something 99. <laughs> <laughs> I found the youngest
1: one I could. Yeah. And it was a 16. And it was still 40 bucks.
0: The Cazella, it's not the first time. It's not the first time we had that. This bottle, it's the first time, but the the, the house itself, it's uh second time we have it. And it is below 50. Just Swear. Did
2: on,
1: you just on, say you got hand. yours out of your cellar? <laughs> <laughs> hey, the one that kicked your ass the other
2: week was out of my cellar. So you can uh, bitch at money. Yeah, but it only been eye. in there for a week. How oh, long is that?
1: <laughs> you get so defensive now. <laughs> it's 2014,
0: Miller. Really. Oh, we've got Franc. Okay. All right. Oh, well, 14, well, 14.
1: 14. tap out now. 2016. I thought that would <laughs> be right. Is
0: it? We can do it the other way. We don't have to go by order. We can actually pick a what number. What is
2: yours? It's uh, the guy's name.
0: Uh, no, it's a cab sav.
2: Oh, no, it's a cab mellow.
0: Cab sav. You guys got cabernet in it, so we'll start with mine. So which order does it go with reds? You do cab. You no, do no, you shiraz, shiraz first. Shiraz first. Okay. And then you do the other ones. Right. So let's get the glasses out. Shiraz first. Oh well, here you go, mate. You're in the middle, so you might as well just do the sharing. Oh, that's very nice. Now, well, that one there we, we its not the first time we had the Casella, but this is again the Italian family. And I was thinking about it, you know, these guys came to this country in 1965 from Sicily. Wow. They decided, yeah, we're going to have our own vineyard. You believe this? And now their brand is huge. They—they they own so many other companies, it's just crazy. It really goes to show, you know, you—if you go out there and you—and you, and you want to win, it's Filippo and Maria Casella came from Sicily. Unbelievable. If you want to win, you can. You just have to work hard. That's
1: all. So we're we're where is the when South they first Australia. started,
0: it was uh, in uh, Griffith in uh, outside in New South Wales. They had it and then they moved. All right, let's try this. Cheers, boys. Good to see you, boys. Good to see you, mate. Been two good weeks now and we must have a lot to say. <laughs> it needs to breathe. What happened over the last two weeks,
2: man? How did you go? How, how is everything going with your office the last two weeks? Yeah, a bit slow. We've only got a, a sale away and a one listing, so good, strong buyer come through. But the inspections seem to be quite strong. We're doing a lot what Cam is. Um, we're not getting everyone to <coughs> look at it via um, a virtual tour as of yet, but uh, we get qualifying them and taking them out on one-on-one basis. Yeah. On the weekend, we had 11 private inspections, so still showing quite a few people through quite a few properties. I think it's, it comes down to the old analogy, market review, list market review, sell. We just have to qualify those buyers a lot more.
0: And you being an auctioneer, how,
2: how is it working? <laughs> well, we there's there's no auctions going or anything like that. No,
0: but they, they, they
2: don't they? Um, we haven't got any booked in. Right. Cam asked me to do a couple for him via that uh, auction. What is auction now? Yeah. 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 How did um, you go?
1: Well, we didn't do them. We pulled them because we didn't have any registered, but we sold one six hours after we pulled it from auction. Oh, so oh that's right. good. So does that mean you still pay the yeah? here? No, he it was, he was on a carton of beer up. for that one. Yeah,
2: I put my hand up for a bottle of uh, Grange. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I ran a couple, I ran a bunch of two-week campaigns just to try and increase urgency and get a bunch of stuff happening when it wasn't. We've got offers on all the properties that i set. We've sold one. We just didn't have... No one wanted to go to the auction, but the, I use it as a tool for that, so we very rarely... I've probably set a dozen houses for auction. I've had to do one auction... Rest of sold before yeah, bar right. one, which sold just after. So it's just a leverage that I use to get things moving a bit quicker. Yeah.
2: So the market, the markets definitely had a. You see the difference in it. it slowed. It slowed down. However, it doesn't mean we stop. I think we have to just push harder. I don't harder know. To
1: more yeah. Just, you don't I'm trying have, to explain to someone where the markets at at the moment is right. like trying to learn Japanese. Yeah. I just had
2: that question. We had, just a minute ago too.
1: Initially, there was a lot of panic. It took two weeks for the world panicking me to see a decline in buyers, and at the same time, a few sellers who were getting ready to sell changed their mind, and then it, that lasted about two weeks. And on Easter, we had three properties over Easter received 54 inquiries. Wow! And it's been going since Easter. The two days just gone, we've probably had another 34 inquiries. On the funny thing is, a lot of strange time to be shopping without money. Like 90% of the inquiries we're getting are people wanting to see houses without pre-approval, without...
2: Do you think it's because they're at home, they're doing nothing and they're on... Oh, sure, there's a large
1: stuff. portion of that. And because there's no open homes anymore, they want to see these properties. But some of the conversations we're having where we're, we're saying to people, look, because, you know, this huge virus that's going around <laughs> and the world's trying to hide from, we're not showing houses to everyone. If you could please look at the virtual tour and then do a FaceTime tour with one of us. And then show us your pre-approval. We'll happily show you the property. But until then, you're going to have to look at it digitally. And it's 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 um, some people are understanding. Other people are getting yeah. really pissed off about it. Well,
2: we've, we've probably taken a little bit of a different. I'm not getting 64 inquiries over a weekend on properties. You know, I've I've got a handful of properties, and uh, we're getting decent inquiry, but not as much as I'd like. But any buyer that's inquiring, we're qualifying. Uh, you have got pre-approval. You know, is your job secure? So we're asking them because banks now are asking for latest uh, pay statements before mm. they process their loans, even if they've got pre-approval. So we're qualifying a little bit more strictly. However, we're trying to get them through everything we have. If they're looking for units, we're taking them through all the units we have. If they're looking for a home, we're taking them through all the homes we have, whether they're in their price bracket or not, we're getting them through everything. Texting them, emailing them, just showing them as much stock as we can, and then three, four follow-up calls. How'd you go, have you found anything? Have you had a look at it, and so forth. Hmm. Yeah, that's the best thing you can do at the moment is really wo- stick. If you've got a buyer that's got money in their pocket, pre-approved, and they've got a good job, I think you've got to oh, the stick to Come on, but, sh- but in, bank,
0: in Bankstown, you know that most of the Vietnamese have got all the money under the mattress. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm serious. Have, have you guys been calling on those people and saying to them, with the interest rate at its lowest, that cash you have in reserve, that's better than having your grandson living in a rented house? You know, this is a crazy bid. I think it is a time for tenant to look at buying and securing themselves. And this is the Mm. lowest interest rate they'll ever get. Mm. Right?
2: A lot of those buyers that we're speaking to saying, it is a good time to jump in. Money's cheap. Money's cheap. And if you've got that equity or that cash, jump into the market. It's a great time. And they're all, I haven't heard anyone say otherwise, they're all going, oh, the market's going to drop further.
0: No, I don't think it's going to drop. that's what we're saying. I think think that the stock market is going to drop. And every single time stock market drops, what happens? They, all, they all put it in the properties. Mm. And, and, mate, people are gambling. So it's all the time. One day you gamble with this, it goes one your way, then you're fine, mm. and then the next you go the other direction. Man, I'm, it's always 50-50. I'm
1: pretty confident in our areas there's been about a 5% drop, but I'm pretty sure that ended in the week just gone. The activity levels are increasing and wow. increasing. And because things are selling again, sellers haven't caught on it yet. We don't have listing appointments booked so we don't have a, a huge array of stock ready to come on the market, so that's only going to dwindle stock levels, which definitely isn't putting a downturn on um, prices. We had one weekend, the weekend before Easter was the first weekend we'd seen buyers come out and try the what we had to put up with for two years, which was putting in ridiculous offers and pulling the old other uh, markets going to drop by 30% and quoting all Channel 9's lines at us. We hadn't had that for six months or so because we'd... Things were going good again, but that was all the bullshit we had to put up with in 2018. But as I said, we, we were pretty firm on it without burning bridges. There was plenty of walkaways. You want to put in a silly offer and try and pick the bones on someone's misfortune, which was what was happening. We're not going to play the game with you. So we walked away and then the next weekend they realised and they've all come back and put in decent offers on properties. So And I think there's definitely been a bit more positivity in the air. There's been a lot less panic. You know, even the mention of lifting restrictions even though they're saying it's not going to be for another month. That's got to be filling people with more confidence. And again, you know, the same rubbish talk that leads things into downturns is the same rubbish talk that pulls things out of downturns. But with that positivity, they just need to see a few people going first. The nose
0: it the berries the spices in it. So, i'm sorry man i'm sorry right, we, we, we yeah. enjoy yeah. it You're why are you talking We're <laughs> the, wine,
1: this, the wine's better than me talking Don't worry about the point yeah. is it we is we stuff. need to do a better job of getting sellers to keep to understand that as well because there's buyers there there is buyers there of our five properties we've got offers on four of them there's buyers there so don't miss that i had a conversation with someone yesterday who was getting ready to come on the market but didn't know when to jump i said well we need to jump now before forty other people have the same idea and he'll have the most expensive house probably ever sold in Barrera. And you don't want to be trying to get that kind of coin when there's forty other houses for that's people right, to choose yeah. from. So But in his category
2: he'd be a quite unique property to start with, right, wouldn't
1: he? Uh yes and no. There's lots of big houses in that area, just this one's a bit newer and then got a few more bells and whistles. That's that's all. And you know, the difference the money we're gonna be asking is probably two or three hundred thousand dollars above Just in your market, Cam, is your market
2: mostly people living in the area upsizing or downsizing within the area or you get a lot more? No,
1: so the good thing about what we do is that on and Barrow are very, very similar in demographic and in um, the way everything works there. The people who are buying in the Barrow area are coming from the northern beaches or the hills where they've been priced out of the market there and you can buy, it sounds mad, but you can buy a decent three-bedroom home in Barrow for a million dollars versus... Uh, and then all the people buying in Carrion come from Barera where they've been priced out of the market because a decent three-bedroom home costs a million dollars and in Carrion it's $650,000. Right. So we're in a, a great position and a very unique position of basically being able to walk into listing appointments in Carrion and say, well, we're selling the house of your buyer in Barreira and no one else can say that. And then we're in a unique position in Barreira where a lot of people buying in Barera come from Monova okay. and the Northern Beaches and Castle Hill.
2: And yeah. then do they transit?
1: Or is it a hope they yeah, get away? No, no, they're driving into the city, so yeah, they, right. they, they want to be a bit closer but still not in the thick of it. So we, we're in a great position where we can say so we've literally got offices in all those areas. We can, But it's definitely a migration up. And then from us, a lot of people leave us and move into Darren Butcher's area or beyond because the same thing, a $700,000 house so in Carryong is worth $500,000 in Oregon. So, in you Garrigan. Garrigan.
2: so yeah. your, your buyer inquiry strong. What about your, your seller inquiry? Is thats that is – that, come off the boil a bit or? Uh, completely. Okay. I'd be
1: lying if, it, if I said anything otherwise. Um, it's not through lack of effort or lack of trying. Our last seven listings have come from call-ins. We haven't had one for probably three or four weeks now. You haven't had a call-in? No. Okay. I've got three listings that I know of will probably come up in the next month.
2: So I know you said you had some staff that you've put onto limited hours and so yep. forth. How do you find your staff is
1: handling that now? With the it Started yesterday, mate. So give me a couple more days. Yesterday was the first day of their reduced time. I mean,
2: more so about the limited call-ins and, uh, you know... It well, uh, didn't affect they, them anyway. The staff
1: we've th- still got... When we cut all the hours, is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, but we had decisions that needed to be made, so we made them. One staff member left. The guys that stayed have, have come back with a... It seems like a renewed sense of purpose. They are doing their best to make every post a winner. They now have the luxury, if you can call it that, of... Only having to sprint for three or four hours a day instead of eight hours a day. And we're doing a lot of work around the mindset that is that. And what I'm hoping to find and what I think is we will find is... Just can you explain
2: for me the sprint for three... So you get them on three or four hours a day? Is that, is that right? Four hours They're, a day? They've all
1: it? been cut to certain hours a week. Okay, We've right had to on. do a roster system around that. Okay. So instead of a benchy having to come in and prospect for eight oh, yeah, hours was- a day they got three hours where they can go absolutely bonkers yep. and then go on. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. And what we'll probably find, and I know Thomas spoke a bit about this in the, the Zoom meeting yesterday, is, and I'm of the same opinion, we'll probably, if we don't get the same results, we'll probably get more results than we were with everyone turning up to work going, shit, I've got a prospect for the next eight hours. Because if you're sprinting the whole time, that energy is transferable and you'll probably get, the same amount of calls, or if not the same amount of calls, the energy you've got on the phone because you're sprinting for that three hours will translate into much better results. And Yeah. It was a very tough conversation that we had to have in the middle of last week. And, you know, helping staff fill out Centrelink forms and stuff isn't fun, but they've they come back yeah, yeah, fighting on. and I'm, I'm really proud of them.
2: So. Yeah, good on you, man. You know, there was, a I don't know if it was a Norwegian country or if it's like Norway or Sweden or one of those actually prove that a shorter working hour uh, working day i think they were in Sweden was Sweden 6 hours a day and only 4 days a week i think it was they were being i think 20% more productive within that working time than doing your normal working week because of that fact because they in using your analogy is they they're doing those short sprints they short lots of energy high energy lots of output getting the stuff done in that time that they're
1: there. There's a book I read a long time ago which was called Winning Without Losing and it was written by a couple of um, uh, Nordic – I think they were Swedish or one was Swedish and one was Dutch, I think. And what they'd done is gone around and studied all the best performing companies in the world. So they'd studied Google and they'd studied Facebook and they'd studied – and they'd put together what they found in all of those things. And one of the biggest things was – it wasn't the hours, it was the productivity of the hours, and um, they called it riding the wave. You, you do the work when your energy's up, and you don't do the work when your energy's down. And as long as you're riding those waves and, and sprinting, as long as you're, when your energy is up, you're going to work. It's been found through all the best performing organisations on the planet that the productivity level is through the roof. I gave a speech last year to my staff that. Yeah, Everyone knows that I love playing the PlayStation. Well in call of duty on the PlayStation, they don't score you by how many people they kill or how many times you die. They score you by how many points per minute you actually are good for. So some I might play a game for 40 minutes and be useless hiding in a corner and not kill anybody so I don't score any points where someone in 10 minutes could score 1,000 points. Right. So the theory I've been trying to get across to the team is what's your points per minute? And that should be the go all the time, I guess, I guess. Fortunately or unfortunately, it's taken something like this to happen, to be able to personify it, to actually take it away from words and to see. well, this is now actually what it is. So, yeah, we'll, we'll fight on.
0: My only issue, though, is for the moment, it has to be a bit tough to be an employee. Yeah. You know, you, you're you in the unknown when it comes to what the government's deciding. And then you're at the mercy of your leader's insecurity in, in many ways too. So uh, you're constantly thinking what is my leader going to decide about my hours my even my position you know and so what do you say to these employees who are feeling a bit insecure
2: yeah i'm one of them yeah and you know that sort of insecurity you need to i think you need to communicate with people that you can confide in so to sort of to make sense of what you're going through or just even to get it off your chest and it all comes down to that mindset it all comes down to that understanding or Understanding of your own mindset, not understanding of the situation, because I don't think anyone understands the fucking situation. I think first and foremost, you need to not retreat into your cave, but as men do, and do more, more what women do, is reach out and speak through these issues and see if you can find someone that's got some common sense. Yeah, but so, so
0: in, in your case, for example, how, how did you learn about uh, the reduction in terms of hours?
2: My, my leader just came in and said, oh, this is the hours you're going to be working, and
0: took you aside one, one on one.
2: Yeah, basically, Ooh. yeah. And so, this is how you're going to be working. I've gone, oh, okay, Rightio. Well, how do we work out the hours that I'm not working? You know, what? How does you know what's what supplements the rest of my wage? Because I have I have commitments. I have yeah. financial commitments. Yeah. My wife is also, for those who don't know, in the hotel industry. Fortunately, she's working because she's in a HR position. So, but her job is very unstable. So, as an employee, we're sitting there going, okay, well, we've got a lot of financial commitments behind us, how's this going to impact that? So we then have to take steps to sort of shore up that side of it, whether it's delaying payments with the banks or whatever it is, uh, going into getting a cheaper health fund, delaying payments on on certain things that we're going to do, whatever it may be, That so we have to ensure that we can continue. And how long are we going to be able to continue? I'm fortunate that I've got annual leave and some long service leave owing, so I can supplement my wage by taking that. A lot of people aren't in that position. So they will have to really sort of scramble to work out how their finances are going to stretch, how they're going to make it work for them a lot longer. Some of your colleagues, though, are not getting the uh, long service leave. What are they telling you? So for them, it's uh, very nervous times. They're coming to me and saying, Chris, is there anything more I can do? Because they don't want to lose their job. They understand that this is a time that they've and, and two of them specifically have only started recently with us. When I say recently, just this year, yeah. beginning of this year. Yeah. They both are fortunately viable for the job keeper payment. But that brings them down to about four days a week in real estate. Real estate's never and Cam said it a few shows ago. Cam's real estate's never a, a fantastic paying job on the wage. It's the commission that we rely on to sort of make a good living. But for these guys, they're in survival mode. Both in financially and within the, within the office. And you can see that, that they want to do extra. Yeah. They're training hard. They want to do more. They want to get the runs on the board. Because I believe they, they feel that their future is a little bit unsteady. And I know both of these people are, don't have mortgages. They're living at home with mum and dad. So they don't have huge sort of financial commitments behind them. However, they still want to make sure that their careers and their income is steady for the time being. Because it's an uncertain time for them. But it is for the leaders as well.
0: Did they feel any sense of crisis mode in leadership or not?
2: I don't think they felt like sort of crisis mode. Maybe they thought there was a little bit of uncertainty in the decisions that were being made. Right. The delivery of those decisions maybe weren't sort of delivered with strength and certainty. That's probably as far as that goes. I think they're more worried about helping the office, helping themselves through this time. They're more concerned about losing their job rather than what the latest decision yeah. For me,
0: I think losing the hours, losing the pay package is one thing. But losing certainty, it's even worse. Mm. And the certainty or the uncertainty is what you get from leadership. If the boss or the leader, and you know I have a different meaning for bosses and leaders. Bosses are quite often in our sales industry, glorified 400-pound gorilla who happens now to be running a show. Leaders is a person who understands that I can never be more than team, and there's no I in team, that these people here make the fingers of my own hand and treat the the staff with a lot of respect, and therefore understand that in the delivery of whatever message I have, certainty that we are there to get in the trenches is vital. And that's why I ask you, because of the three of us here, you're an employee, so I will never understand what, what you guys are going through because I'm not in, in those shoes right now, in that seat right now. So is there a, a feeling, is there a moment when the team's starting to feel, hold on, maybe this is time to jump off this ship?
2: Uh, absolutely. I don't think people, and I don't think it, it matters just in real estate. I think it matters in any industry. Yep. They will be looking forward and they'll be going three months, six months, 12 months. Am I going to stay in this industry? If someone's in the restaurant industry today are they going to say, well, what happens if this again? My job's not as secure as I thought it was. Maybe I'll stop being a chef and become a real estate agent or go and be a, a doctor or a nurse or whatever it may be. I think there's a lot of uncertainty for a lot of people. Yeah, And that moving forward would put people in the light of, okay, how can I make my life more certain? What do I have to change? Do I have to upskill? Do I have to find maybe a side hustle or that dream that I had of starting a my own business doing XY? which would survive online in this industry. I think a lot of people are having those thoughts.
0: I think it's a very good question, yeah. So so let's let's explore it. So what should an employee do right now to give himself or herself more certainty and maybe make her job more secure?
2: I, I love the, the quote that Abdullah used recently in the interview that you had with him. He said, what you do today may only pay off, may, may only pay dividends in six, three to six months' time. Yes, but you have to do it today. So I think and you're a big sort of advocate of constantly improvement and training yourself. Those people employed today that are fortunate enough to have a job, whether it's a, a three days a week or full-time, need to be improving themselves within their office, outside the office, so that when they we come through this, their skill is above their neighbours. Yeah. Because those other agents in the area are sleeping. They're sitting there and talking about Zoom and Gloom. So I think they need to be... Zoom and Gloom. Zoom and, zoom, and Gloom. Zoom, <laughs> zoom, did I say Zoom and Gloom? It's zoom and Gloom. gloom man. Zoom
1: and gloom. <laughs> see, there's too
0: many bloody Zoom you see, meetings. You're st- you still in work
2: that mindset, man. <laughs> Too many Zoom meetings. Zoom and gloom. Zoom and gloom. Listen,
0: my, I agree with you that they need to really invest in themselves. They're
2: going to have to train way more. I think that's the only way. I think they, they they need to train, and they need to train hard. And you know what? And it's first thing that we all need to train on is our own mindset. Is our own mindset. And I'm guilty of it. Cam you know, called me last week, and then you called me as well. I had a bad time. I had a bad day. It was a shit day. It was a shit day, but that was my mindset. I had to change that. Not anyone else. I had to change it. Mm. It's simple. We have to pick that up. We have to change it, and yeah. we have to be aware of those those words we talk to each other, ourselves, more so ourselves. Those conversations we all have them when we wake up early in the morning and we, we loop the shit in our head that we loop. Stop that. Get out of bed. Go into a no no. What ha- what the hell happened I'm re- oh, just looping shit in my head about my about the future, about work, about how is this going to happen. Uh, do I have enough to make sure the kids are, are fine? And just all the shit, we, it all comes out, right? So we need to make sure we, we push forward with that. Whether it's work, whether it's outside of work, whether it's fortunately it's nothing to do with the family. The, the family's been fantastic. But you've got to have that mindset. You've got to stop, reassess, find what's good because there's always something good. Find what's good. And the fact that you get to spend more time with the family the time you get the fact to spend more time with... Your bonsai? With, your, with my bonsai. <laughs> I actually made a new garden bed because <laughs> Bella wants to grow um, grow vegetables. So that mindset, though, I think that mindset is number one. And I think everyone needs to, if you're not doing it well yourself, give someone a call.
1: But and did you give no, people I a didn't. call? I not Oh, I see. So why, why, why don't do I take you... My own <laughs> voice? Why don't I take my own <laughs> advice? Absolutely. People can't be too hard on themselves for not knowing what to do in a situation that no one's ever been through Absolutely, before. Man. And from an employer's point of view, or from a business owner's point of view, two staff members, we understand. <laughs> like we, I feel for every bugger, and it's it's very hard to give people certainty in a time that is so uncertain. The, the way we went about it, it might have been right, might have been wrong, but from day one, when all this all the shit started to hit the fam, we opened communication the entire time and. We told our guys exactly where we were at as a business and what a couple of different scenarios into the future could look like because we felt like we owed them that. We couldn't just sit on our hands and tell them nothing. But, you know, you look back and go, oh, was that the right or the wrong thing to do? Was there too much information that might have created more uncertainty because we were literally saying this is what we know but we don't know what that means sort of thing because no one did. We didn't panic and we didn't make any rash decisions and, and we waited to get all the information at our hands before we made any decisions. And the the feedback we've gotten from a couple of staff members is at least now they know. You know, We've managed, we're proud of the fact that we managed to do it in a way where everyone's kept their job. Yeah, We're very happy that we were able to find a solution that had labelled them not to take too big a financial hit because of the way the government worked. But I can't imagine, I know what we felt like as business owners, so I can only imagine what yeah. the staff were going through not knowing. I think on the other but side... You, of- you sort of said before, you know, get it off your chest and find someone you can confide in. I think in these situations, because we are all in this together, that person needs to be your leader and your boss. If if your leader and your, or your boss, whichever one you've got working above you, is um, not creating any certainty or giving you any certainty or making you panic, that's got to be voiced. That's got to be, I want my guys to come to me and say, fuck, mate, you got to give us something more or something less or I don't understand this or... Yeah. You know, it's all good, well and good, calling other people and you need to support network around you, that's that's fine. But there's a lot of if we don't know it's broke, we can't fix it too. If if everyone's running off and talking to other people instead of talking to the person that's involved in the problem, none of it's going to get fixed and it may get fixed, it may not. Every Everyone's reacted different during this. There's, there's some places that went off straight away and made massive changes. There's others that didn't. Again, everyone's in a situation that they've never been in before so... Of course, all the reactions were going to be different, but it's really important for everyone. Leaders are communicating with staff. It's just as important, I feel, that staff are communicating with their leaders. Yeah, and, it's a fair call. Um, because that's the point of being in a trench together, you know. Pretty sure all the guys that have actually been in a trench together were talking to their bloke beside them and telling them how we're going to get out of this together. So
2: I think mean, a lot of leaders, and, and I can only speak for myself, but I would like to believe and I know you say I look through rose-colored glasses, I like to believe a lot of employees look to their boss and understand what the the leader is going through and understand that the leader's trying to do the best they can with the information that they've got, like you have, Cam, and working forward to seeing not only to keep the business afloat but keep these people employed and, and keep their families safe. But well.
1: everyone's going to have moments where they don't, and I think you've, you've had a couple of those moments, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the important thing. It's okay to have those moments, but realise that that's the moment you're having and then go and talk to the person involved in the problem I think is the biggest conversation because the person on the other end of the phone, if they're not in the same shoes, isn't necessarily always going to have the right advice for you. They may have some bloody wonderful advice but then you still need to communicate that to the person that's creating the uncertainty. If everyone's whispering behind closed doors, how are we supposed to come to a solution? But man, yeah, I I guess gratitude. For people who have still got their jobs, a lot don't. So many people don't. If you are a hospitality worker or a fitness worker, you're gone. So for our guys, we need to understand that we've all still employed, and you can't. You can either rest on that laurel and go, "Oh well, I've still got a job," or you can go, "Fuck! I'm grateful that I've still got a job, and it's it's time to go. You know, it's time to work harder than we've ever have before, and it's time to train harder than we ever have before. And if you're not doing it for yourself, you're doing it for all those you mate, because everyone knows someone who's lost a job. Yeah, everyone knows someone at the moment who was flying a month ago and he's now on their arse. You kind of owe it to those people to keep going yeah. and make every post a winner, yeah. You owe it the respect of, of being able to say, I'm, I'm so lucky, I've still got a job and I'm going to work to earn it, you know, rather than sit beside your mate when the pub reopens and go, oh, well, I didn't get sacked, so whatever. Yeah, there's, I don't know, just railing off thoughts. <laughs> I don't know. Well, me, um, try to have a look at this as if
0: we were in wartime. I think we are in wartime. I made sure that I gave my own team full certainty. Yes, I had a moment when this all started and they announced the first shutdown, which I think was a lie. It was, to me, I believe it's a lockdown. But when they announced the first shutdown, yes, I had a a bit of a moment. I still believe it was a Sunday when they first announced it on on Tuesday, midday it's going to happen.
1: Sunday at 10 a.m., right? So yeah, no, yeah, I got
0: uh, to go. <laughs> but at no Not point in time, at no point in time, my team saw my uncertainty. So the first thing I told the team was this is now our opportunity to lift our game. We're gonna have to deliver even more. That's it. Because I, I don't believe in uncertainty, even if it's communicating it. There's no, nothing to communicate uncertainty with a team. That's why they give you the responsibility to be a leader. It's not because you employ them. If it is so, then you're just a boss. To be a leader, you have to accept the team needs motivation, not your fears. Okay. And so as a leader, you have to be there and exert an enormous amount of self-control and realize I have zero luxury to giving one iota of uncertainty. I believe that all of these things that we've been studying over the years about leadership, it's when it matters that we need to use it. When it matters and we start running and we start to express it to people because we we believe it's needed, and again, it's a logical justification, I don't believe it. I've studied a few uh, general war generals, and I can see it. Yes, they were pooping in their pants privately. The minute they landed on the battle zone, battlefield, there is no more room for that. Because they say if a leader has a bit of a sniff, what happens to the team? They got pneumonia. Right. So, I heard that before. as a leader, you can't show any of that. When The minute you're on the battlefield, you have to have even more certainty about you because the more certainty you have, the more you're going to persuade them. I was talking uh, on a few podcasts ago about uh, Viktor Frankl, who said, if you want a person to work at 100% of their ability, or to reach their best, you have to talk to them as if you want way more than their best. Because if you ask them just to do their best, they always under-deliver. As a human being, we always under-deliver. So to get them to do their best, you have to talk to them as if like they just King Kong. And so, yes, my team, it's work as normal. Whatever happens behind the scene, we, I will deal with it when it's that time. At this point in time here, no one is being cut in hours. No one is having any issue with, "Are oh, you going to have to take some holiday. No, because I truly believe we are not a restaurant business. You imagine those restaurant business on a Sunday, watching the television, maybe some of them were not even watching because they had their restaurant open and they had to close show. I met a guy who was almost in tears when it just happened at midday, right? And so we are very fortunate in real estate. None of that happened to us. We can still go about it in, with our business. So we have to do our duty for the country too. We have to carry on business as usual. Over the last few weeks, I've been speaking to a few people who waited for that 1,500 JobKeeper subsidy so they can make calculation. I think they're idiots. Why do you plan for 1,500? Why don't you plan for winning? Because if you plan for winning, you wouldn't need the 1,500. That's how I see it. But that's mainly because I have been training to get those things in my head. That when you hit the wave, you you don't go with the wave. You you, you want to go out there in the deep ocean to prove yourself with your technique, all your knowledge and everything you learn. This is why it's so important. At leadership level here, as an employer, we are in a driver's seat. We have an enormous amount of control over our business. I feel for these guys in my team. They're doing the best they can. And, and I'm sure at some stage, the thought must cross their mind, what's happening? I even have a guy he's applying for residency for the moment. He's from overseas, and if I have to just put him off, he gets zero because he doesn't even get that subsidy. Yeah. I don't even want him to worry about it. We have to keep on going, and then every day and then I still have just a lunch where I just buy them lunch, and we sit down and we talk about it. I bring—I mean, for the moment, you can't go to restaurants, so it's all takeaway stuff. But that's what you do as a leader. You have to be able to sit down with your troops and talk to them in a way that they feel, hold on, He's more certain in these uncertain times. So who am I to start being uncertain?
2: You get? Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's why when I heard about some of these things that happened, I fell for you. That's why I called you last week. And I heard from Cameron that you were feeling a bit down. And so I thought i better call. It's normal. Being an employee, things can sometimes happen. Then, and leaders often forget you guys have got commitment. You know, I think it's Simon Sinek who said, In one of his clips on Ted's talk, leaders eat last. I don't believe that leaders should eat last. Right? That doesn't happen. I'm sure that the troops, they all want you to eat at least at the same time as them. Some of them, they don't care if you eat before them. But leaders don't have to eat first, last, and make sure that their family is fine, and then the the rest of the team comes second. That's wrong. That to me is wrong. I would rather go down bravely with the entire team doing it yep. then go down like a coward because i just try to have a look at certain things which is just my little family with war there's people do you know my sister is a nurse in belgium i told you that yep. right yep. i just learned this week that she's not allowed to have a corona a coronavirus test because if she does and she contracted it well she's off but they need her so do you know what they said Anyone who wants a test has to pay 60 euros, so it's about 120 bucks. So none of them doing it because on that kind of income, they can't. Yeah, right. Right? Especially when a surgeon in her own unit just died from COVID-19. And we here <laughs> worrying about how many hours should we reduce so it doesn't cost us anything?
2: Yeah, we've got to put it in perspective. And yes. we have to put it in perspective. And that's what I was saying to you before, I mentioned to you. You have to find the good in things. We have our health, we have a job, whether it's limited hours, we have the family, we have a government that's actually put into protective measures for the community, for, for Australia, and working with banks to delay payments and so forth. So there's, so there's so much to be looking for, and Cameron said it before, the gratitude, find things to be grateful for within this time. And I think that mindset, like you were saying, leaders, as you said, leaders' job, definitely. Certainty with your team, 100%, and a vision for the future. Coming out of this, what are we going to do? let's aim for this let's now work towards this now this is a time to those teams that might be not have the best culture within their team that are falling apart now let's try and you know win back that sort of market share or have our product put in placement put in a, a lot better now there's so many ways we can look at I mean,
0: I I know that, you know, you might not say that, but I will say it. What if I was an employee right now? Let me tell you, I will watch what my leader did to me right now. Because when this is finished, I will deal with them exactly the same way. If I am working for a leader who could not think team, but only thought about himself right now, as soon as this is finished, I'm packing. I'm going. Because I'm going to be looking for a place where the next few years of my life is going to spend around a leader who worries about me as if I was family. That's the thing that I have, right? Unfortunately for the salesperson too, there is a responsibility they have to have. I think an employee needs to now know we need to be accountable. If I was a salesperson right now, I would want to shine. Right now, I want to shine. I'd go out there and do whatever I've been doing times two. Why? Because if my leader sees me right now doing times two, whatever I used to do back then in normal times, what do you think is going to happen to me when COVID's finished? And this is the responsibility I hope that a lot of employees are starting to understand. This is not the time to go into hiding and wait for the COVID-19 to disappear. This is the time when you go out there and you do more and you create more. You get whatever you had to get. I mean, how great is this that it's our generation? I mean, whether we employ or employee, when did we have in our living days the ability for mum and dad to have breakfast with us at whatever time they wish and then go to work? True. When did we have, really, as mom and dad, the ability to spend... I mean, you've got young kids, so it's fine. But I have all the kids. That is the only good things about lockdown. They home. <laughs> I've got the kids home. So on Saturday, it's like we're doing things together. And I've got the 25 and 26-year-old around me and helping, or 27 and helping. I mean, when was the last time? <laughs> this, this is crazy. Bit So I think as an employee, you have to look at all that yep. and appreciate that we're going through these things. And I've got flexibility now in terms of time with a lot of people working from home. But what am I doing with myself right now? Am I a spectator or driver?
2: We've got <laughs> one bottle already, so <laughs> while, while that pause, I'm like, what are we going to go next? While,
0: well,
1: whatever you want, the man. Mm.
2: Cam, your pick. Which one you want? You want yours? You want
1: mine? Last bottle always wins, mate. So leave mine All right. to last. Alright, we'll take mine.
2: <laughs> What Mine's you a, a Cab Sav and a Cabernet Franc what's that Thomas It's another grape obviously Yeah it's
0: it's another grape
2: So
1: should we be doing It, it should, or the it cap should make it a little bit Yeah no 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 it's fine it's it's fine And we'll it's open it. the lid for a bit It's been in your cellar Oh
2: lost we are i big time yeah We've time for all the cork to rise is to the top 2014, <laughs> 2014 <laughs> is a 2014 Cab Sav for Cap Franc and uh, yes it's been in my cellar I'm what? just trying to
1: help you, mate. You aerate red
2: wine. Listen,
0: line. mate, the okay. things he does to
1: win, you don't understand.
0: <laughs> bloody
2: white wine drinkers. I don't know what they're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, well, we, air we out never had glass. to
1: aerate a red wine before, have we? Let's air, this.
2: It gets air when you pour it. Look, lots of air. Blah, 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 blah. Lots of air.
1: Cheers, boys. So, what
0: what is this wine? What is it, PM, Prime oh, Minister? It's, uh,
2: <laughs> <or> <laughs> it's um, Property at uh, Paul Nielsen. Uh, oh, um, PN, PN. Paul Nielsen. It's a Western Australian wine. One of the wine club wines that they sent out. I've had this salad for a couple of years, Cam. It was. I don't think it's going to live up to uh, Thomas's uh, charades, but it's nice, though.
1: It's listen. It's got very nice. I think I give it a bit of. Give it five minutes. I no? like that. <laughs> you have to like it, mate. I like but it. I have
0: to say that my Casella had a lot of depth.
1: Yeah, It was a good one. That was a good wine. Uh, <laughs> it's because it cost him three hundred <laughs> bucks. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of tannins in that one, Crusoe. That, Suck your face off type of stuff. Bloody white wine drinkers. Seriously. I'm not bagging it, mate. We're talking about the wine. We're allowed it's to do it, that. It, 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 Part, it half of the title of the, heart of the... Well, that's a technical term. <laughs> I've seen that written in a description somewhere. That was, <laughs> suck your face I'm off. I'm trying to make it for the layperson to understand <laughs>
0: No, but going back to the employees, guys, I think the, uh, it is an opportunity now for employees to really understand also the notion of work-life balance. Yep. I received a text from Darren lately. It was one of the quotes from uh, Alain de Bolton, the English philosopher, who spoke about work-life balance doesn't exist when you're in pursuit of something. I'm just paraphrasing it. When you're in pursuit of something very much worthwhile, there's no more unbalance, and I don't believe in it. I think that work-life balance is something that you can pursue. It's never balanced, but you can pursue. Your work is one thing, but your life at home is also another thing. Work is only a very small part. You know, I don't think that man was created just to work. Man was created to probably live. And so at this point in time here, there's a lot of opportunity for both employees and employers to really seek that life balance, you know. Yeah. And I think, mate, in the near future, when COVID-19 is going to mm-hmm. be finished, there's going to be a lot of people who understand it and won't go back onto a train and take a train and waste two and a half hours in their life to go to the city to be in a building when can do the same amount of work and save the two and a half hours to doing something else. I think that the way that workforce in uh, nice offices in the city, or you know, it's going to be the way of the past.
1: Brilliant thing about what's happening now is we'll never go back to the way it was, and that big part of that is how much time people get to spend at home. It's another reason why, from an employee's point of view, the way when we spoke about it earlier, I'm sure I saw Thomas hit record, so it might be on this, it might be not, but now that you've got the opportunity to work, and I'll call it an opportunity to work limited hours. I can work those limited hours, sprint those limited hours and then enjoy the rest of your time at home. And what we'll find, what I'm expecting to find, more than hoping to find, expecting is that results will actually increase, not decrease. At the very least, they'll be the same. The amount of work someone can get through in four hours if that's all they've got to do far outweighs the work that they'll have to do in eight or ten hours if they know that they've got eight or ten hours ahead of it. For an employee, just backing up what Thomas said earlier, regardless of your leader here's the opportunity to show that you're one of the people that people want in the trenches sure, with them. Yeah. That's the opportunity you've got now. Yeah, you know, we had, when we when we reduced our hours, a couple of our staff offered to take even bigger pay cuts. As I've already said, one guy left, a couple of guys were in the middle. All of the ones that stayed to a T said, yep, doesn't matter what our hours are, we're just going to work, and to work. Well, it only took one day to see who was actually going to do that, who left right on time for the shorter of their four-hour shift. But that's the opportunity you guys have. If you're not happy with what your leader's done and you are planning payback when all this is over, you're still going to have to go to another leader. Or bosses. Or boss, yeah.
0: And you shouldn't work for boss. You should work for leaders. That's no, 100%. Leader. That's
1: what we meant. 100%. But how you handle this situation, that's going to travel with you as well. This this,
2: this time, time will pe- we'll also show a leader from a boss too. Yeah, yes. we've spoken about that, but yep. we're talking yep.
1: about the employees for a second. Yep. I know, Chris, I know. Yep. All right? But if I've got to look at it from an employee's point of view, I was an employee once wants to... There was a time where both my leaders were in hospital at the same time almost dead with different afflictions. The options were there, hooray, the leaders aren't here, we can relax, or shit, the leaders aren't here, we better step up and go to work because regardless, we owe it to them, they've got families too, we've all got families, let's go to work. And there were some people in that office who didn't, some people in that office who didn't. That's the way I implore every employee who might hear this to look at it regardless of your boss or your leader. Because that's on you. That bit's on you. Mm -hmm. You can have the best leader in the world and still be a lazy prick. You could could have the best leader in the world and still feel entitled and and only do what you have to do in air quotes. Because there are people who are like that.
0: Yeah, but if you're a lazy prick, I think that the best leader will find a way to get rid of you very quickly.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and you'll have no one to blame but yourself when that happens.
0: At that point in time, you know, this is how I think the distribution will work. Lazy idiots will find bosses yeah. and great workers will find leaders. leaders. Yeah.
1: And I hundred percent agree with you, Chris. There's bosses and there's leaders and there isn't a minute that goes by where I don't wonder where I'm at at the spectrum and question every single decision that gets made, mate. It's not easy. No, no. Um
0: I've got the criticism for you to here, Chris. We mate. We talk ourselves as like we three musketeers. You're down, you're not even talking to us. What what's wrong? What kind of friendship is this? We are we just a friendship of good times, is it? Like one in wisdom shit when
1: when things are going fine? I told you that too. I said, if I ever fucking ring you again, and he said to me, oh, you're always telling me not to whinge and just to get on with it, so I didn't want to ring you. And I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. That's a bullshit call. Yeah, it's um, Because this isn't a normal...
2: Yeah, And this is probably one of the issues I have a lot. It's not just the other day. I mean, it's my entire life. And I don't think I'm in the only only one in the boat. It is only you. I think it's an ego thing. I honestly think it's an ego thing. I think it's uh, something that you know. I'm not a, a young bloke. I, I should be able to get through this. I should be able to work through these in my head, work it out, and uh, move forward. And, and I, I, so I so don't probably reach out for help when I should. Mm. And, yeah. it's, and it's not and it's not help. It's just reach out to have a chat with a mate.
1: If someone rings you and asks if you're okay and how you're doing, you should be able to be able, regardless of the ego, especially if it's yep. a mate, to yep. go, "Oh, yeah, having a bad day." Like I rang you that morning, and I could tell. I threw about six different things at you to try and get you to open up. Some direct, some very indirect just to see. And I knew you were fucked, mate. You were having a a real bad morning and you didn't want to talk about it. And it was just so happened I spoke to him that afternoon and he said, have you spoken to Chris? How do you reckon he's going? I said, no, good. When I did ring you again... As I said to you, mate, don't ever fucking do that. It's you don't, and I know it's hard to pick up the phone sometimes, but especially if the phone's been brought to you. Yeah, well, it, if it, you can't vent to us, who the fuck can you vent no,
2: you, to? you're right, man, no, no, it's, you're right, and, and 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 that's one of my my shortcomings, and I understand that. That's I'm very self, I know self analytical, self critical. That's one of my shortcomings. Long term, you need, you need to understand that you will come through that on the other side, and sometimes we need to you need to work through that shit. But working through that shit may be quicker, like you said, Cam is picking up that phone.
1: Well, maybe it's also a realisation, and I'm not just pointing this at you, but I know the conversations we've had, so sometimes you're venting about shit yeah, and that's when I say, shut up, yeah. and just go to work. Yeah. This isn't one of those situations, mate. Yeah. Like we're, in a, we're in a predicament here where, where unprecedented is the word that's getting thrown around. There's an un- no venting that goes on in this situation is going to be unwarranted it might not be the right mindset and it might not be the right solution but that's what we're here to work through on, on the when other you side call that, me and say i don't want to make any more phone calls i'll tell you to fuck off but but you no know, but
2: on the other side of that mindset you understand that that's the right thing to do but when you're in that mindset you don't want to be calling people you're there and you're going i need to work through this i know what i need to be doing i'm smart enough i've read enough books and listened to enough people and gone to enough fucking seminars to understand how to get through this i'm telling you what's going through my head right yeah i'm and listening. i'm, and I'm I should be able to work through this and I, and I will work through this. But this is this is what's going through my head, right? And you have all the shit thoughts and the, the negative. It's, sometimes it's not shit thoughts. It's working scenarios out and feelings that you're having yourself, right? Whether it's you're feeling unjustly unjustly dealt or you, there's not a lot of certainty or you're feeling insecure or you're not able to do it or for whatever those negative connotations are, you need to work through those. Not saying that it's not the right thing to be calling someone to help you to get to yeah. the other side of that. What I'm saying is when you're going through that, it's not easy to pick up the phone to help so- ask someone to help l- listen, yeah. why am I doing no, this? it's
1: never easy, but it should be between mates and it's probably easier if we haven't had disagreements in the past over rubbish. You look at the scale of problems we've had yeah. to face, <laughs> right? Yeah. Whether I've got to do 50 prospecting calls or yeah. I don't know whether I've still got a job and there's a pandemic gripping the world and yeah. they're on different ends of the spectrum right yeah. but the way it came across to me when we spoke the second time was i didn't feel like i could call you because every time i call you with a whinge you tell me to pull my head in yeah mate that's when you call me and tell me you can't do 50 fucking pro- prospecting calls yeah so i don't think i've ever called you to say that, got bit, <laughs> oh, hang on hang on <laughs> hang on, mate i've got the video i've got the t- hang on brother <laughs> Be careful going down that rabbit hole. Be careful going down Bring that up rabbit the hole. Bring video evidence. But if, if another positive can be taken now of this, it's almost the boy who cried woof scenario where now we know what – we're working out what's important in the world and what isn't and losing your shit and losing sleep over – and I'll just say 50 prospecting calls, and as I said, it's not directed at you, but it's a, to show the scale of the situation. Right? Yeah, yeah, All right? Ringing up to complain and going into a shit mindset because you've got to do a couple of extra prospecting calls versus yeah. – Having trouble with your mindset in a global fucking pandemic when no one knows what yep. the hell is going on. Yep. If anything, if another silver lining in all this is, hang on, whinging about all that other shit probably isn't worth it. But maybe whinging about some of that other shit is the reason why when something really fucking important happening and really tough to deal with, from all of us, you've already heard TL say he's had moments himself. Yeah, yeah. You weren't able to pick up the phone.
2: Yeah. But I've never have been able to.
1: You have, mate, because you've called me to whinge about rubbish yeah, before. Yeah,
2: but, but not in that situation. I, I mean, I've, We've I've never uh, been in this situation yeah, before. But, but, okay, well, I'm talking about similar mindsets that I had on that day, and I've, I've had conversations. So
1: is that ego, TL? Is it ego it that is, says I can call oh, I someone? I think it is, but I, I may be I right. can call someone and ask for help because I can't do enough prospecting calls, but I can't call someone and ask for help because I'm worried my future has just come to an end. Like, sorry to be dramatic. Why can we call someone and ask for help when it's rubbish? And why can't we call someone and ask for help when, in our own heads, our life is on the lawn, in our own heads? not.
0: Yeah, but we, we, we're putting everything under ego, but ego is a big term. I'm just asking, got, is that it, what you mean no, by ego? No, it's, it's, it's got a very, very big thing. In the end, really, ego is about, you know, the, the, about the fear of being judged on ideas, you know? So there are some times when you don't want to call someone because you know What you're going through is your own doing and it's not right to feel. So you feel that ego need of being protected. Then there's also the ego of I'm going through something that I know is unjust and it's making me feel bad. I mean, how is my life? How am I going to pay these bills and making sure my life has got all of those savings for private schools, for example. And I don't feel the need to open up to anyone. That's another side. So it's not ego protection but it's almost an ego of my own privacy that I want to deal with this problem myself. I mean, one of the things that I would probably ask Chris is earlier, he said, you know, there are times like this where I don't want to call people. And I thought that we were not people. I thought we were his mates. <laughs> so so it's already different, you know. No. If we were his brothers, would he call? I would say that he would. Maybe we're not good mates enough. Yeah, so what, and are and we, this, this what have
1: we done, past?
0: And this is the thing that I sometimes struggle, that in Australia we use the term mate sometimes. I'm starting to define it as meaning friend for good times, where I am very much the kind of guy that treats everyone as an acquaintance, as someone I know. But when he becomes my friend, my mate, I'm in the trenches, whatever he needs. And so I don't have the terms mate just for the good times. I have a terms mates for the good times, the bad times, the times when they need to be told off because I can see them going in the wrong direction. All of those times. So maybe I, that's why I'm different. But to put it all under the terms of ego, my ego is huge. Yeah. You, you want to know the term about the terms ego? Get the books called The Course in Miracle.
1: 1,200-something pages. Start reading. Is it on Audible? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same... <laughs> It's the same issue we were talking about before where I said you can't have all these issues and not talk to the person who you feel is creating those issues with your boss slash leader, leader slash boss. It's the same thing. So you, in one sense, you're not picking up the phone to ask who are your mate, 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 mate. We've got lots of different t- users for mate. Like I know. When we're fighting, it's fuck off, mate. You want your go, mate? So you've got to be, yeah, it's which mate are you talking about? And then when you're drunk, it's mate. Love you, mate. Love you, mate. (laughs) But it's that same thing that, I don't know, is it the same thing that stopped you picking up the phone to ask and asking for, or just saying, mate, I'm struggling, is it the same thing that stops you going to your leader or boss that instead of...
2: But when I'm in like that, I don't go to anyone.
1: Yeah, and, so and, and that's it's thing. The I, I don't issue. go to
2: anybody. It's it's something that I feel I need to get through myself, and I'm not in a freaking the life raft myself on this. So I know that that I I don't go to anyone, whether it's a, a mate that I've known for ten years, twenty years, fifty years, my best friend, my wife, or whoever it is. I don't get anyone. It's something that I expect myself to be able to get through. Now, is that my own pride? Okay, So
0: in in this respect, I think that ego is ego
1: pride. Ego ego pride instead of ego strength. And the
0: reason we're talking about this thing is with these tough times, there's a lot of men who were someone because they had a good job and they've lost it with COVID. There's a lot of people who've been put off and are now contemplating selling their home, their possessions. There's a lot of people who have built, you know, I'm constantly thinking about that Troy Rhodes in um, the Hunter Valley with his Muse restaurant, who's building a big reputation for himself. And now with all of this, it's destabilizing everything. Mm. So should those guys go beyond their pride and really talk it out? Because when you talk it out, you always find some kind of logic that you can cling on to, you know? Or do they just do like what men, a lot of men do and go into their little hole and sometimes some of them can't even get out and then do silly things with themselves or their family. So I think that this is a time and this is going to be more and more of that. I didn't know we were going to go into this subject today, but it's it's a bloody good no, subject that maybe we should. It's and a I natural transition, mate, because
1: even in our business, in our business, it's the same thing. There's a lot of people who are high flying a month ago who now aren't. And there's a lot of uncertainty with employees, which is what the whole basis of yeah. this. But that flows off into everything. So, yeah, but I wonder whether
0: really employees are thinking about this shit, man.
1: Oh, maybe not understanding what's going on, but, they're, you know, like Chris, they're not picking up the phone and they're, they're not talking to, if they're not clear on their, the guidelines being given by the leader, they're not talking to the leader about it. Maybe they are keeping to themselves, just not understanding why they're doing it. You know, one of the biggest human needs, and, and especially for men, is significance. A lot of men have lost their significance in the last three or four weeks. And that's going to be tough to deal with, but there'll be a lot of people sitting there not un- having having feelings, not understanding what those feelings are or where those feelings have come from. So I think and it's been my fear all along, ever since this thing started. I think there hasn't been a podcast that's gone by where we haven't mentioned the, the men and what is going to happen if things go really, really pear-shaped for men our age. And it's all our ages. Like, I'm 37. TL's 47, you're 77, mate. It's all, that, it's, all that age, it's all that age bracket that's... A, <laughs> it's you know, the, you know I'm, the, I'm younger than and, him,
2: right? You know that, right? I just want to clarify that. And the,
1: you've mentioned war, TL, and, and it's funny because we had that conversation. I've been reading the same sort of books. But last time we were at war, I call it a real war, the last time, say World War II, the men didn't lose significance because the men got to don a uniform and get a gun and go overseas and fight for their country. So what's the version of that now that we can point your friend who had muse and everyone else we know that struggle, where are they gonna find significance in this? What's there? how are they put picking up a uniform, a slouchy hat and a gun. We're coming into Anzac Day. The thing that gave the Anzac pride and the Anzac spirit and the thing that carried on for many, many, many years was the ability that when the shit hit the fan and, and when the world was literally coming to an end, they like they got to they got to go and defend it, you know, they got to stick that hat on that slouch hat, they got to yeah. you know, we got to stop the, the Japanese at Kokoda and we we got to win the Battle of the Somme and we got to do these things that yeah. gave us that pride and, and many men tried and many men died. Like it's what's our version of that in these times? Because we can't how are we putting on that slouch hat and keeping our significance in those times now?
0: But maybe we don't have to pick up the hat of significance. Well, you said maybe before we're like,
1: in a time of war, so we do. We have to, how no, do we, we don't. This? No, we don't need significance
0: because I'm, I'm just thinking, what about our women? Do you know? What about the women who have been going up and up and up at the echelon, uh, fighting in a world where men uh, yeah. are always at the top? The women right are land. allowed. It's all taken back women and they have to go in, home and
1: teach kids. Women are allowed in the army now. And back, if I use the same analogy, mate, most of them turned themselves into nurses or went on <laughs> the, pro- no, went on the production line to create ammunition. They had a purpose too yeah. where they were defending their country. So what is the 2020 version? We're fighting this invisible war against something that we know nothing about and we can't control. People are suffering a Yet. similar loss of significance, a similar loss of helplessness. But instead of being pushed, uh, being able to go to a factory and, and make bullets, and instead of being able to pick up a gun and go and shoot that enemy that's attacking us, women and men are now in a position where I've got to homeschool the kids and I've just lost the family's income. That's a, and there's no one to go and shoot over it. You Can't go and shoot some Germans.
0: No. <laughs> I think that you just mentioned something that I thought it'd be worth mentioning. And that day is coming, Saturday. And I hope that many of our offices are really going to try and locate some of these ANZAC veterans and make them feel special on Saturday. Because I think this is going to be the first time that they are not parading. This (coughs) is the first time that um, they are going to be in total isolation. Many of them complete, shut down, lockdown, whatever you want to call it. So maybe we can do something special for them. But it's funny that you talk about Anzac because I think that the second thing that we can do is to emulate the spirit of the Anzac. I don't think that I'm going to talk about the ego, but it is time maybe for all of us to, to step up. I said it at the beginning. We are not in shutdown. We haven't been asked to close our businesses. It's time for us to really do our duty, and our duty is to sell houses, to move people, to help people. I think that chef... Must chefs must cook their best meal and find a way to put it in the hands of the consumers. I think that electricians should really install the best uh, light fittings right now. Find a way of creating better l- lighting. I think that real estate agents really uh, need to help people continue to achieve the Australian the Australian dream. That is us doing our duty. Yep. There's a movie, boys, Uh, it's called uh, Danger Close: Mm -hmm. Battle of Long Tan. I was going to put it on last night, but it was two hours. What a great movie. Even though it happened northeast of where I was born. I was born in Saigon, so the Battle of Long Tan just happened to be off town and towards the sea. And the battle only lasts actually one afternoon, four hours. There's so many lessons in it. This morning I I was up at uh, 2.15, I went downstairs, 2.40, and I wanted to watch it. Again, I say that I learn from books I read, the people I meet, but also the movie I watch. And it's just crazy. In that movie, in that battle, 18 Australian soldiers lost. People who've never been on the battlefield before. The average age was, I think, 20. And they lost 18 people. Now, apparently, the other side lost 245. Okay, the Vietnamese lost 245. But it was the way it was done. Harry Smith was a major back then. He's a lieutenant colonel now. And he actually used to be a parachutist. And he thought it was an insult to have brand new people thrown at him for him to train. But by the end, he had so much respect for them that up until uh, about a few years ago, he actually fought for 50 years to try and, and give his people, the soldiers that died and the soldiers that came home, actually more recognition and better medals. This is amazing. So the war happens for four hours for him, but for the following 50 years, he spent everything he had to go and help those people. I think that's the relationship that we employees and employees should have, that the employers should look after the employees with every ounce in them and the employees should really do the best they can to make the trust that their leader has entrusted into them worthwhile. What a great movie. And, and I think that, that is the spirit of Anzac. You, you look at the things. Uh, there's a few lines in the Anzac, and I wrote them down. At one stage, Major Smith asked a guy, what's the most important thing in the battle? And try and think this in terms of business now. You guys in business, right? And the soldiers, and the, I think it was Paul Sarge, who died on the battlefield, he said killing the enemy the major responded by saying no trust you have to trust the man beside you and he has to trust you we're on a battlefield right now we're conducting a business are those guys trusting me to look out to watch their back and do i trust them that's the key or am i going to concoct something behind enemy lines about how to take advantage of them 1500 reduce their thing otherwise you know they can go is that real leadership? There's another thing at one stage. Platoon 11. Platoon 11 was about to be overrun by the VCs, right? They were right on the forefront. And at one stage, one of them, one of the privates said, target my position because I think that the Doug, I forget his name, the leader died. And the VCs started to come close to them. So he said to them, just target my position. I don't care what you do. Shoot all the stuff, right? The, the major had to call on that thing. And he had to throw on the decision. And someone said, well, if I do this, you're going to have to take the responsibility. And he said, I will take that bloody responsibility. And I think it's, it's just crazy, man. But then he showed, because this is the question I want to ask you, because you're a sales manager, so you better think about this while I'm saying this. Because at one stage, the colonel back at base, because most leaders fight from the base, they said, we want you to retreat and come back to base. But Platoon 11, he did not know where they were all dead, right? So Major Smith, he replied and he said, listen, you can go and fuck your orders. We all go back or no one does. I mean, to me, all right, it's a movie. So maybe it's a bit uh, extrapolated. But in these times of COVID, I think that leaders should go. I don't care about losing my house. We all go and win and every one of you be looked after or we're not going home. There's no such thing as I have to look after my family and the thousand dollars will help me and this. No, we all go there. And I, and I think that that is the spirit of Anzac. That is the spirit of people at war. We think that we're at war against the virus, but we still behave like people who were on the other side of the, the screen, the silver screen. we still freaking spectator. Mm. And I think that that's wrong. I don't know. You want the spirit of Anzac, you might want to get a few Anzac. They, actually, they're still alive. Major Smith, he lives on the Sunshine Coast. A few other veterans actually live around him. And, you know, these guys still cry these days when you talk about this stuff. I hear about some people who talk about PTSD and all that crap, you know. Mate, these guys really have PTSD and they, and they don't blame anyone for it.
1: You
2: can't go through something like that and move on from it. An experience life experience like that, you can't. And funnily enough, I only watched that movie a couple of weeks ago for the first time, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Great movie, great movie. And yeah, you can't you can't move experience like something that like that in life and move on that quickly. Whether it's it'll last you a lifetime.
0: Do you know, I I think that in the movie there is a sequel that they have to do. The movie depicted the the battle, and I've done a bit of research because I mean, since to whatever this morning, you can't just watch the movie right. <laughs> So I watched the movie, and then I did my research. And I found out, for example, that the, the Brigadier General, I think it's Jackson, and then Colonel Townsend, both of them were back at base, wrote the history of the battle in their own way. And because of the 30-year secrecy that Australia has about whatever uh, governmental uh, paper it being secret... No one really could talk about this. But those two guys rewrote the history and wrote down the act of these guys on the field. Yeah, right. And th- what happened is that these guys have not received the medal they deserved. <laughs> like one of the guys, and you were talking about it earlier, boys, his name was Jack Kirby. And Jack Kirby was, was a guy who, who was a bit plumb. He was not as fit as those 20-year-olds, but he had spent a lot of time around Major Smith. And he, during those four hours of fighting, if you talk to people who were around, they will still say the, the same thing, is that he used to move between soldiers, and he'd go to them and say, how are you going, mate? Do you know any of those guys over there? And he tried to calm them down, and they'd say... No, man, I don't know any of those VC coming at me. Then shoot anyone you don't know, all right? <laughs> and then he, <laughs> he would just he would just go a- a- and talk to everyone. So much so that some of these guys still remember that today. I mean, he didn't die in the battle. He died six months later on, mind you, and that was due to friendly bombing. So that was the New Zealanders uh, bombers that just bombed his position by mistake, right? But this is the story of guys. And we in the business right now, we worry about not making money. Just, you don't, you don't want to worry about not making money. Go and make money. Go and listing. Go and do things you haven't done before. These guys, they were not fighting for commission. You know, they were fighting. Many of these guys were going to go home to get married. Many of these guys, like Major Smith, he had three children. I think one son and two daughters. And he was away from home. So think about these boys. Let's imagine us now having to fight the coronavirus, okay? But we now fighting it on the battlefront. And you have your two children at home with your wife, you with your two, and my four are home with my wife. Now, now we can compare ourselves to them. And let's imagine that the coronavirus can fight, can fire a bullet at us and kill us on the spot. <coughs> Not one of those things where, you know, if you have a ventilator, you might make it. So let's stop talking about this bullshit about uh, a little bit of security and I don't have money. It's there. Go and grab it. When you get shot at, then we can talk. That's the key. And that's why I believe whether you're an employer or an employee, we all in the same battlefront, in the same fight. We're going to have to stop looking for excuses, logical excuses, mind you, about how to use the $1,500 to look after ourselves.
2: Very silent, boys. I'm just enjoying my really good wine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, mate. I think you're 100% right. All you can do is go down swinging if you're going to go down. You just ask yourself too many questions. It's out there, you go and get it. And I know for one that we haven't stopped trying to go out and get it. We really haven't. I'm not talking about you. I'm no, talking
0: about the leaders that are out there, mate. No, oh, I oh, the, I the leaders you of the restaurant business, the leader of the uh, dance club that had to close, the leader of that bar. Mm. I mean, there's plenty of stuff. Yeah,
1: you've got to adapt and overcome. Absolutely. And, and the, it's Darwin's line. It's not the strongest or the fittest that will survive. It's the ones that adapt the quickest to change. It's just breaking out of that initial mindset because there's a shock. A bomb goes off beside you, there's a shock. You get shell shock. And yeah, you, that's and what you, Sunday 10
0: o'clock, mate. 10 or 5, <laughs> we need to get going.
1: <laughs> you need to overcome the concussion, <laughs> work out which way's up, and then keep running. That is the answer. That is the slouch hat. That is the gun that I was talking about. But a lot of guys will be feeling like all hope is lost, but... I mean, restaurants are a great example. And so anyone who owns a business or owns a restaurant or has gone through an apprenticeship to be a chef, like, fuck, you had to peel potatoes for two years before you're allowed to cook a meal. You fought before and you'll fight again. You you just have to find that new way of doing it. But you won't do it sitting on your ass. And I know, mate, the pressure of the bills and all that stuff's going to be there. But it's always there. Find me a restaurant owner who's making fucking millions of dollars and I'll show you George Columbaris who's underpaid everyone for (laughs) 20 years and had to sell all this shit. George Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. The only ones who seem to be making it are the ones that are getting done for underpaying their staff millions and millions of dollars for for years. Uh, The fight's in there and I know your last podcast, Thomas, was finding the purpose in all, or finding something to have a purpose, you know, and that is me in search for meaning and, and have that purpose but I think we're lucky in a sense that we've got enough people around us to give us that slap in the face. The people I, I feel mostly for are the people who don't have those people around them to give them that slap in the face and that's maybe I'm too feeling for everybody but a lot of people don't have someone to give them the slap in the face and say so you've done it once before, you can fucking do it yep. again. If you manage to build a fucking amuse, then you've got the skills and the work ethic and the everything you need to do it again. I understand. I mean, regardless of what you mean, regardless of what you think of the man or regardless of how much is true, the narrative is Donald Trump's been bankrupt twice. I don't know the ins and outs of that. And now he's a fucking well, – <laughs> now we he's fucking having... Donald Trump. <laughs> 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 he's too big a subject for I today. I saw him fucking two <laughs> days ago say that America's handled the virus better than any other country. Anyway. The point is he's doing all right, friends. Sorry, important. I shouldn't have used him as an example. But I think the slouch hat is people realising that if they were once something, then they've got all the attributes to be something again. So waiting again. waiting for it to happen is, is not going to happen. You know, one of the things I look for in, in hiring people is tradies and sports people who have played at an elite level. My the theory behind tradies is apprenticeships are fucked. Yeah, pointed. but do,
0: do You know, I got an, an SMS from you about talking to some of your mates, maybe because they're in the trades. Do you know, I have no tradies ever called me here and said, listen, how old is your air conditioning? With the government now $20,000 back for your business, I can work something so that, you know, I can install you a, a new air conditioning and you'd be paid in two months. Because before the 30th of June, you can claim the $20,000 back, you, do, do you know? There's always a way of thinking, in mate. Not one has called me. If I was to run an air conditioner. system, who's telling him to
1: think that way? That's my worry.
0: Oh, we got my, people around us, mate. They, are your mate. Tell them TL podcast. We talked about it on the wisdom uh, with wisdom mm. podcast on the twenty first. We just spoke about it.
2: You know, listen, the tradies are too busy to be calling out because they're, they're essential workers and they're still working.
1: No, nah, they're not, mate. That's the thing. I've got too many people around me who have. Phones have stopped calling for them, trades, and they don't. Have stopped working. And they don't have uh, the advice around them. They don't because look, when I ran my gym, fuck, I'm glad I don't own the gym now, right? <laughs> but let's be honest, when I ran the gym, cash only business, right? So how would I be looking right now for tax relief from the government or job keeper or any of that? When I ran the gym, my accountant was whoever picked up the phone at ITP or any of those fucking corner store tax return agencies that you would speak to for five minutes a year there was no business advice there was no financial advice there was no running the books you know it was a cash business yeah so the reason i sent you that text message is all my mates where i was and they don't have like i'm All real estate – there's a massive difference in real estate agents. Well, that goes across the board. There's a massive difference in financial advisors and accountants and all that sort of thing. I've left one and gone to another. The difference in advice I got from the first one to the second one is immeasurable as far as the quality and how it's managed to keep us heading in the right direction and keep all my employees employed even though we had to reduce their hours. What my – financial person has been able to do for them because he's a human being and cares about humans is fucking unbelievable. Could have been so much different. The thing I have is a bunch of people my age who have, mate, done the hard yards, they're builders, they're electricians, they're plumbers, they're this and that, but they haven't got a fucking clue.
0: That's their
1: fault. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, not saying it's not. I'm, I'm a hard guy on, on that. I'm not end saying, end saying it's fact. not their fault. Okay, I'm not, the first thing I said is you've got to educate yourself. That's right. Right, I had a conversation with a chef in the middle of Bunnings that nearly ended in tears because he had no clue about the new um, mandated laws for commercial tenancies. The thing that was going to sink him was the two premises that he was leasing. Had no idea he could get a discount. He was about to close both his companies to get out of the leases. So the first thing I said was, fuck, you've got to educate yourself. If you're in a position where your business could be in trouble or as an employee you could be in trouble or any of that shit, the first thing you've got to do is look for information around it. I get it. But a lot of people don't go into that mindset. They're still shell-shocked because the bomb's gone off beside them. They don't have the people around them to punch them in the chin and go fucking wake up to yourself and do some research. Oh, they got they if got you in the middle of Bunnings. Yeah, but if I didn't go yeah. to Bunnings, if I didn't have to escape the family in the middle of Easter because we'd been <laughs> locked in the same house for four days, if I didn't go to Bunnings to buy nothing, just to fucking walk around for an hour, there's at least two people who oh, wouldn't no. have got that punch in the face. One was an investor who owns a few properties who had no. He was that scared. He was white. Goes, Cam, if my tenants leave, I'm fucked. If they stop paying rent, I'm fucked. Had no idea about the new rules that have been brought out. Had no idea that tenants still need to follow. Now I blame him for not getting his own education. I blame his property manager for not educating him on it. Being proactive. How come you knew about those new rules? Because I've educated myself. When shit started. When did you
0: know about those rules? As soon as they came out. When was that? Compared to those that day uh, that you met them in Burnham. Uh
1: The commercial. A, a week before?
0: No, so the rental. Roughly. Did you know about that shit like two weeks ago? No, 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 no,
1: because I've, I've, I've quoted it. The new residential stuff had only come out the morning of? The morning of. The oh, morning. That's all right. He would have found out the next day. All right. And, but the commercial tenancy stuff had been out for a week. Then that guy was late by seven days? Yes. Do you know, this is the thing. But, and the, I said. I think
0: in many ways, I understand Darwin, even in business. The people who evolve and follow news and get these things, they will survive and thrive. The people who are like dinosaurs and think that because they now have passed the age of 18, therefore they've got a degree for no longer learning and then, and then you're okay with being an ignorant, well, they will die. That's the law of Darwin. There's, there's nothing else to evolution, man. So don't feel sorry for people who are, to me, lazy, If I have a few properties like that mate of yours, he's not going to like me, like that mate of yours, and I have a family depending on this, and I don't even go online to find out what's my
1: right now, Hmm. I
0: deserve to lose it all.
1: Yeah, I haven't taken any responsibility away from them, but at the same time, I know you're a bloke who doesn't let your mate sink. If you can do anything about it, you don't, and you're on the fucking record of saying that.
0: I understand that, right, so but, but I'm, I'm, I'm not position. talking about what you do for them. I'm ask I'm talking about what he's done for yeah, himself.
1: Yeah. Okay, that's the first thing I put on him when I have those conversations. Is mate, fucking ring someone and ask. That's
0: right. I mean, people can do that stuff. You know, it's unless they Chris, they won't
1: call. We didn't know not
0: those kind of guys. <laughs> we call, didn't know
1: they don't call people. They don't call people for help. <laughs> we didn't know, mate. We didn't. We didn't know, and that's why we didn't make any decisions. We didn't know the answers and that's why you couldn't cut hours and adjust rosters or let people go or fucking do anything because we didn't have the information. In our essence, was, I mean, I said I said a week ago that we were lucky that we had people in the right position. We still fucking called them though. Yeah. Like, yes, we've got Reef and, yes, we've got a great accountant, but if we didn't pick up the phone and actually fucking call them. Yeah,
2: you've got to educate yourself. Yeah. You know,
1: so, Everyone knows the Department of Fair Trading exists. Everyone knows Fair Work Australia exists. There is no excuse for not at least trying. But to break the shell shop, that's what I'm talking about. To, to snap out of it enough to, to go, fucking call the Department of Fair Trading. I worry for the people who don't have that around. I mean, I could call everyone on my phone list, but you forget, I did call. I made it a point as soon as this stuff happened of calling five people a day. Going through my phone, someone I hadn't spoken to for 20 years, but I missed the chef. I didn't bump into. I didn't. He didn't register to me. I didn't bump into him. Do Bunnings. The guy who owns a couple of houses were acquaintances. We're not mates. So he he's in my phone, but didn't register to me. You can't call everybody. Yeah. You know, no matter how hard you try, there's going to be someone who slips through. So yes, you got to educate yourself. But we've always talked about and one of your key things that you preach, TL, is association. A lot of people don't have it, mate. And those people are the ones I worry about.
0: My only thing is that. First, you had to worry about your own home too. You talk about record now. I can talk about record. The only reason I knew about your issue was that I, I spoke to him that day. I hadn't spoken to him for 10 days.
1: He didn't write back to one.
0: <laughs> so what was your issue of not talking to me for 10 days? He, he didn't reply to my text messages. Oh, here you go.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so was it... thought um, you needed your space, well, what, what, So was it about your ego somewhere? Or, oh, or probably. was it about people?
2: You, have you not worked out? Thomas is not the best of texters.
1: No, he, it, it, his text no, mate. I was, aren't I very was, in there was, Look, there was all sorts it's of like things involved. Here, but Ten a.m. I knew why he wasn't writing back to me, and I was <laughs> right on those things. So it doesn't make it right or wrong. But <laughs> we didn't speak. He's the creator of the law of assumption.
0: <laughs> the law of assumption is very simple. What's my assumption?
2: Man, you if, I, out of you <laughs> if I
0: create enough uh, conspiracy theories. <laughs> One of them may It'll be stick. the real one.
1: Was alright. Nostradamus? Was I right?
0: <laughs> Out of the fifty thousand, yes, <laughs> there was well, two. It, it
1: there was two when I was right was, about both. <laughs> by the time we got to the fifty thousand, <laughs> there was two when I was close to right. Oh, no, you, you know, but yeah, right. Well it, was, it was, mate. Same thing, but, uh, and I can say this. Wholly and solely, regardless of whatever ego was involved in that, there are people who needed your help more than I did at that point. So, if we didn't speak for a few days or 10 days or whatever it was, regardless of what was going on and the reasons that was for, it, part of that is too that you're a man who. It's funny because you sit there and you go, oh, my mates, it's, it's my mates, it's their fault that they're not. But you're also a bloke who tries to fucking save everyone, mate. So. You yeah, do. but that's, and my, do. that's my fault too, you know. So I'm so allowed to try and – like, I, I, I try and help, like – Yes, I'm, they should pick up a book, but at least I'm I should – Maybe I'm stealing their opportunity to grow. At least I should ring them I'm up. I'm robbing them. Yeah, but if they sink, mate, they can't – if they drown, no one's growing from the grove. I understand, I understand. Right. Listen, but in, in
0: regards to the information that you were talking about, it was w- widely available. I think that in regards to picking oh, people up, yeah. we're doing enough. Uh, I – people don't don't understand it. they think that you know our, our wine and wisdom is just my thing it's not If it was my thing, I would never have this kind of session I'd do it my, but just by myself yeah I was telling someone lately you know I, I don't like these podcasts because I don't want the podcast to be just like people use success to define themselves. Podcast does not define me and so all my life I have followed. One guy as uh, wh- which one you opening now? My one. Okay, so which one is
1: that? It's taken too long to get through Chris's. <laughs> <coughs> Hang on,
2: I'll go and see if the guys want another drink.
1: Right. So I don't know whether I've let myself down or not, but I don't think we've picked a name brand wine for this entire podcast no, since correct. we started. Yeah, usually they're in the six hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, but usually they're not the first thing you see when you walk into a bottle shop. Yeah, Penfolds. Everyone knows who Penfolds are. Yeah. So I've brought in a Penfolds and I thought, ah, shit, have I gone the easy route. But it's not a Penfolds I've ever seen before. This one's called Max's. It's funny because one of those mates I was trying to help, his name was Max. Right, right. But this is a Shiraz cab. It's a 2016 from South Australia. It's called Max's after their winemaker who was their winemaker from 1948 to 1975, Max Schubert. And... Obviously, with all, I mean, we've we've interviewed a couple of winemakers from the Hunter Valley, and they don't think much of the name brands and the ones that get trotted out all the time. But Penfolds has a half decent reputation. And when I saw this, I thought, "Fuck it, let's give it a go." So, it's two thousand sixteen, the one you have. Two thousand and sixteen. I knew I was going to bring a red to a fucking, I was going to bring a knife to a gunfight because. (laughs) The two oh. gentlemen in air quotes beside me only ever bring in reds, so I went the youngest I could find, and that was 2016.
0: we no, better try this, man.
1: It's guaranteed Ooh. to be nicer than Chris's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're talking it
2: up you now, seriously.
1: So where were we? Where were
0: we? What, what, what happened?
1: Were we? Uh, just talking about how you said I can't save everyone and you try and save everyone. No, you were saying that... Uh, You don't like doing the podcast because people who are trying to get five minutes of fame, um, that's not what it's about. No.
0: And I think I grew up listening to the songs by a French guy, Jean-Jacques Goldman. All those songs were all about be the best you can be, but no more. And so for me, the pursuit of success, of fame, of becoming someone, it's not interesting to me. The pursuit of who I am, that is more interesting to me. And so I don't like podcasts when I have people now starting to write back and saying this, I'm not interested. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. And a friend of mine said, well, that's why you need to continue because it means that you will still go on content, not about what you do. And I like the one wisdom, people don't get it. It's not just about three guys drinking wine, getting pissed and then insane, saying stuff. I, so I, I listen to them. They, there's an enormous amount of substance. Sometimes they only have to go in five minutes, and it's enough for them to really grow to a next level. Now, if they had just the five minutes and the three bottles of wine with us, they really will
1: go to a next level. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a sprint. See, <laughs> <laughs> see, what we're doing here is not dragging it out over eight hours. <laughs> it's a one hour sprint, and we're being productive. How's the one?
0: Very nice. Mm.
1: But I will say oh. that, mine, oh. that mine's the best. No, you know? wait, wait. Oh, really? That is... F- I will have to wait say Wait for it. Uh. <laughs> Back off, Chris. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> One thing, we had a I can long, to a gunfighter, right? That phone call was two hours that we had oh, after, yeah. after ten days. And... I what was all
0: the bonuses gathered.
1: I did not understand for an hour and 59 minutes of it why you were against me doing my podcasting. But the one line you threw out and it took you an hour and 59 minutes, which made it all make sense, is it's not the 15 minutes you're doing it for, it's the six hours you spend thinking about doing it. So in that essence, I, I get what you're saying. And in these times, every waking minute needs to be on fighting the good fight. I don't do that stuff and I didn't start that stuff for... For fame, even though I have a massive ego, it would started off with my kids and then when all this shit happened, the first things I did were talk to an accountant and talk to a teacher because they were the things we were struggling with at home, money and fucking homeschool. But when you pointed out and it took you an hour and 59 minutes of me not wanting but that one line.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, so, how's the shell shock? <laughs> yeah, i just got pull a fucking few fragments out <laughs>
0: no but you know i was just yeah I, i think that friends should tell each other like real stuff rather than just you know cocoon stuff as long as you see that the friend is there for you and quite often i say this to people you know between employees employees same or between mates the same thing you don't have to question everything that a mate's done for you you just have to look at the history if you know the history that that person has been nice to me, has been real tough, has been a prick, but it's always with the best intention. Every single time, the intention really comes. Just just go with the, the, with that. I find that a lot of people, they make a mistake, is that when they don't hear the things they don't like, or they don't hear the things that they like, they re-question the relationship. <laughs> you know? This is a funny bit. Why do you question the relationship or even the the quality of the, the the person because you didn't get the message you want. What about understanding this? The person is like the speaker. If the sound comes out that you like from the speaker, do you like the speaker? Let's say that it's a Bose speaker. You got well, one. Prefer yes, JBL, but yes. okay. You like JBL. Some people li- like Bose. Okay, so let's put that way. <laughs> do you have JBL speakers? I do. Oh, okay, all right. So then, let's, then let's talk about JBL. All right?
1: <laughs> How good is? Can we just get an honest opinion on this one? Because you you were carrying on just because it's better than yours. No, but it's
2: okay. Just,
1: you don't rate it. Tell us why you don't rate it. Give us something. Oh, it's just. I don't mind it. I heard his ego. But no, no, don't, it's no, give no, give no, us a technical. Just, I said you sucked my face off. Give me a technical analysis of the Penfolds 2016.
2: I don't know. Maybe it's the two bottles that I've already, we've already gone through. I I, I don't know. But does it doesn't sit well on the palate?
1: Thomas, can you give a fucking... It's a bit young
2: and uh, there's not a lot of body
1: in it. Not a lot of body, I'll give it that. I don't know whether... It's very smooth,
0: though. I don't know whether you can keep it longer, though, man. I think personally, it's not because I brought it, but I think the Gazella had huge debt. Yeah,
2: that was great
0: one. It had a huge debt. It kept on going like this. Funny you know? how yours always have huge debt. No,
2: because my last no, time I he got your it. your ass out of the cellar from the cellar.
1: <laughs> I'm being nice. Last time, Chris, owned ass. What are you
0: talking about? There's nothing
1: worse than just trying to ask an honest question and getting a fucking. Do you
2: not like the sound of this speaker? No. <laughs>
0: So no. so, no, no, but, but that's what I was talking. If you Explo- don't like the microphone. sound of the speaker, do you now question the JBL speaker? <laughs> you know, this is the, the, the thing that a lot of people do. They don't like what they hear from someone, <laughs> so suddenly, JBL is now shit. Until they hear what they want to hear, they will re-question every single time the quality of the speaker. I think it's wrong. Once you have defined the speaker, the person that you're listening to, the, the mentor that you have... Is, has always that capacity of, of telling you the right thing. you got to have to trust that speaker. Mm. You, you can't re-question it because the message is not what you want to hear. I didn't re-question it. I just didn't talk no, to her for 10 days. I didn't talk to <laughs> her. I turned the speaker was, off. No, In, in, in his thing, there wasn't ego pride. It was
1: ego fear. I, turned, <laughs> I just turned the speaker off, mate. <laughs> I know it's still sound. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's still going to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> when you turn it back on, speakers you know going to be have a PowerPoint for a reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, but, <laughs> but being different to a speaker,
0: he did not sleep for days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they can turn on and off. Uh,
0: are, are these the people that... <laughs> <laughs> That's the only difference between the, the speaker and, and me is that the speaker <laughs> you know tomorrow is still there. <laughs> it's
1: got a mute button.
2: <laughs> That's from the remote control, mate. Remote hey. Remote control. Coming back to what you were saying about the speakers. Chris, O didn't I
1: mean, want to hear any of his speakers, mate. He's surrounded <laughs> by a fucking... you got surround sound, mate. You didn't want to hear any of them. You were just like... <laughs> That's true. Mate. I'm I'm that going back awesome. to the old fucking tin cup and string where I can't really. No, nah, mate, he said it at the beginning. He had the pride. Like, it's like, you know... We get pride I, at the worst times. We don't have pride, and I know... Don't take it fucking personally, <laughs> but... The, the metaphor is this, this
0: f- is about it this is about unleashing yourself. No, right? why don't like, we have don't take it personally now about that No, unleashing. no, no.
1: Because we, we talked about it before and I directed it at him, but why don't you have too much pride to ring up and say, Oh, my, my boss wants me to prospect but you've got too much pride to ring out and I say who fucking called you to say that? I just said it wasn't about
2: you. Oh, okay. Right
1: here, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, go on. So
2: the pride <laughs> Wrong speaker, sorry. Right.
1: I know if anyone <laughs> listens to us, they're generally from real estate. So you've got the pride to bitch and moan to anyone who will listen about the amount of prospecting you have to do, but you don't, you've got too much pride to ring up and go, oh, I'm really fucking struggling here, can you help me? I will never ring up and say, someone wants me to fucking prospect because I've got too much fucking pride for that. But ring up and ask for help, I do it on an almost fucking daily basis. I don't understand the. Where the pride but, but kicks in, but you just
0: you just answered him. So when it's pride, you wouldn't call.
1: No, I wouldn't call over prospecting because like I, said, that's not pride. I, I have too much pride. I wouldn't. I'd never call and go. Oh, my boss wants me to work harder. Right? That's because that's a pride. How can okay, you fucking? So mean? you wouldn't call over a pride
0: issue. That's what he did. No, but he's cool. You want another hour and fifty nine minutes before you get the <laughs> last? Because I'm
1: giving you the one minute now before the one hour and fifty nine. <laughs> That's what – people's pride kicks in at the weirdest times. It doesn't kick in when you have been a moron, but it kicks in when you really fucking need it. When you're struggling. Yeah, yeah absolutely. When you really need the help, absolutely. your pride doesn't let you ask for it. And it's not when the you first don't need the help
2: – It's not the first time I've been told that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's no, you. No, but, I, but I'm fucking being honest. I'm telling you, it's not the first time that TL's t- looked at me and going, you're a fucking idiot. I thought we were mates – Pick up the phone and call yeah. me. And it's not the first time we've had that conversation. I'm speaking
1: right? now on behalf of anyone who might be listening.
2: I know, I'm sorry. the bitch and moan. But yeah. they understand, and I know I'm not in this lifeboat myself. So what do you reckon it is? It's I so have no it. fucking idea. Don't what do you, do you reckon, reckon before, it is to you? It was, Like we said, Ego.
0: I don't
1: want to send pride to that extent. But yeah. your ego should stop you ringing up and going to anyone, oh, my boss wants me to work harder. I'm not saying it to you. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. right? But they're the phone calls we get. Yeah, right. When on. we get in our groups and we get in our pairings and we get in our and as I said, from mastermind free. groups, there's, and people like to ring you and go, oh, just, you know, I don't think we should have to do this many phone calls. But when they're about to fall off a fucking cliff, all of a sudden the phone line is disconnected. I don't understand that part of pride or ego. I or, or don't get it. Because to me, ego says my ego says I'm never going to ring anyone and say that I'm I need to work harder because that's fucking that doesn't look good. That's that's bad against my ego. Is it? But if I need help, I'll go. Fuck! Can you help me? Because I'm fucked. Is it for for people (laughs) being fear
2: of being judged?
1: But they're not being. That's the thing. They're not scared of being judged about complaining that their boss wants them to work harder. But they're scared of being judged that they're actually struggling.
2: Because maybe that's not about them now. When they're calling up there about issues they're having with themselves, maybe it's about them and they're, they're, they're now they're feeling that maybe they're being judged.
1: This whole massive world has changed and it, at the moment, I'm not sure what it means for me and my family. So here's where my ego kicks in and doesn't try and talk to anyone. But my boss asked me to work a bit harder and I'm going to ring and bitch to everyone I fucking know. Your ego doesn't kick in there. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I thought you knew this stuff too. No, yeah. I, 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 No,
0: no, listen, I, I don't do pride as well as you guys <laughs>
1: Well,
2: you've never clearly with the shirt. The
0: shirt
1: you're wearing tells me (laughs) that's a jealous man. (laughs) It might have a fancy label, mate, but it still looks like a tablecloth. What do we do? Listen from a gay wedding. the,
2: the, (laughs)
0: The ultimate. The ultimate display <laughs> of humility is wh- when you can wear tablecloth. <laughs> a tablecloth and be
3: happy about it.
1: I wear shirts that don't fit me all the time and that's because my size changes on a daily basis. So. <laughs> no, boys, th-
0: things change all the time and um, I think that pride changes in terms of form all the time, but it's always about the same thing. It's exactly what Chris said. I think it's about the fear of being judged. Being judged, you should know. Being judged, you know, uh, what do you mean? You, you're, you're a father of two and you don't know the answer to that. Being judged, all that stuff. If you really have, look, all of our life is about being judged. People who have anxiety because they're running out of money and then they have to go to their husband, for example, or their partner and make make them really go crazy. That's also about being judged because sometimes it's about being judged. You know, what do you mean? You can't really have... Um, a family that is not going through a, a comfortable life, everything is all about being judged. I mean, and and that's coming from our parents, our, our our entire bringing. And I think it's in the DNA of people. Everything that people do, everything that my children do, is about being judged by Vernick and I, just as much as whatever I'm doing is about being judged by mom and dad. At one stage or at some stage, some people grow beyond that, you know, out of this. Uh, at some stage, some people are born maybe with some brain impairment, therefore they don't even get to feel that. The reason why the three of us will feel a lot of that is that we are highly sensitive human beings. I've sat in this podcast and I don't think, besides maybe one where I saw Cam doing it, I don't think that I sat in a a podcast with the two of you boys when I've seen the two of you boys with tears in your eyes talking about certain things. When you were talking about your team, Cam, earlier, when you were talking about your predicament and, and, and not calling earlier. So, and, and the negative things that you were thinking, I could see it. Maybe that is a trait that makes us who we are, but we, ha- we are highly sensitive beings. And I think that what we try to do too much is to keep a lid on it. Yeah. Because we are men, we are not to show all this. But in the end, we will pay for it. So what do we want to do? Be a pressure cooker until it explodes? And it can explode in two ways. explodes either by us expressing it outwardly or it become a something that we embody in terms of a disease into ourselves. Or do we learn to express it as we go and release it? And there's two ways you can do it. You can do it with people who mean uh, well to you, may not be uh, <laughs> very nice in the way they deliver certain things, but you need to look at the intention or deliver to a, a loved one. But quite often a loved one, well, they, they'll tell you what you want to hear and they don't tell you really the... They don't give you the medicine, or you just keep a lid. Yep. I think the issue that we're talking about is, is not unique to us. Right now, there's thousands of people who are feeling just like crap, right? There's thousands of, I'm talking fathers, mothers, who are now sitting at home with their children, and they don't even know how to tell their children, all of my life, I tried to do something. And right now, it's not there. And it's, it, it's enormous, the amount of people. And I think that it's up to those people to really find things like the discussion we're having right now on podcasts or find it through their friends. And then if their friends happen to grab a podcast like this, share it to their friends so that their friends can really learn about it. And in the end, mate, I was not much of a person many years ago if it wasn't for the teaching and the audacity, I call it audacity rather than anything else, to go out there and seek knowledge. and People need to be doing this to help themselves. In closing, I I just want to say that one line that I learned from a text that Darren Butcher sent me a a few days ago, and it was from Alain Bolton, and he said this, everyone wants a better life, very few of us wants to be better people. And I think we need to forget about wanting to have a better life. Because in our desire to have a better life, what we do is we get lost between two things, hope and fear. And hope and fear... uh, Very much two sides of the same samurai sword. One is just hoping negative, hope is hoping for something positive. And what we need to do is to forget all of that and go for the one thing that really matters it is to really devote our entire self to becoming better people. If anything else, this COVID 19 is allowing a lot of great people to be uncovered, to find a better side of themselves, I think. I think that. Covid's gonna disappear. It's gonna go because by the time we find the vaccine, it's gonna go. But then, the bosses too are gonna be found out. The leaders are going to rise from the ashes, and the people you didn't think were leaders are gonna come out, boys. So I think the outcome of all of this is those of us who invest into a better life will come out on top. Yeah, agree. All right. Thank you very much, boys, for this today. Thanks, cheer. And cheers again. Let's enjoy cheers. this Max Penfold. <laughs> <laughs>